Well, my dad, before me, he used to mask. And we used to get up every morning at 5 o'clock and help him to dress. And you that I had, you know, that I was part of that. But I didn't know when it was going to come out because during the time I wasn't quite ready for it. And I masked my godmother, made my brother and I an Indian suit. I think I might have been about seven or eight years old. And I had forgotten all about that as I grew up. But my brother reminded me because he didn't want to put his on. Well, yeah, well, that, that's what my biggest concern about, you know, the situation that we have today because when we were coming up and when we started massing as young men, we stopped all the violence between the uptown and the downtown. That's what it was about, uptown and downtown. So we stopped that by going to uh, all the downtown practices in the back of town and front of town and uh, we went to all their practices and we got to know these guys, you know, and we become to be great friends with each other. So that's when all the violence started, but we didn't know why the older people were fighting. We didn't have any idea, but it was a downtown, uptown thing. And what a lot of uh, downtown Indians don't understand that we all are the same people. And most of the downtown people lived at uptown one time. Right. And so we all the same. And uh, the younger guys now, they listen to the uh, songs that we sing, and they think that's the way it go. Well, we uh, had one of the baddest practice in the city, a boy and I. And all the guys from downtown, from back of town, front of town, wherever, they came to our practice, right? And so we start going to invite us to their practice, so we start going to their practice. <laughs> We become to be friends, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so we didn't have any reason to fight each other. We don't know why the elders was fighting. We had no idea because we didn't ask them and they didn't tell us. Well, they was also Indians, also, but they respect like in one of my songs, you might hear that uh, they ran through the bayou and it was hanging in the trees so high, and they said they was going to join the Indian tribe. So that was the Moss men. Well, now that's that's going way back. <laughs> I I did never know that, but I knew about they messed with the Indians when we was a kid because we seen them out there. You know they had that. Yeah, but it wasn't a tambourine. It was uh, a, like a little mop stick cut off or a piece of wood or whatever with with caps on it. They flatten the caps out and put holes in them and put these little caps on there, on the stick, nail them in there and use it. It, it put out the same sound as a tambourine, but just a little different. And like, my, my grandfather was from Homer, Louisiana, and his wife was from Haiti. So she wasn't a slave, she was from Haiti. Wow! And they came down through, they had a, a, a basin used to run through New Orleans, over where the Superdome was, mm -hmm. Superdome, rather, and they came over there, they had a dump, and they came on the banana boat, and they got off right there, and they stayed right in that neighborhood, and we used to go back there as kids, and see them in there, so, you know, every...
day they have a different, you know, family tree behind the Indians. But a lot of them, a lot of people now don't know where we came from. And a lot of kids that come, I'm about one of the oldest in the city now that's living. And I don't have an idea where we come because it happened a long time ago, way before our time. And if you didn't question the elders about it, well, they didn't. They didn't speak about it because it was like a hidden culture. Because when my grandfather, we lived with my grandfather, and when his family come over, and they would sit out and talk, we had to go outside, and they were speaking in French. But when I, like, when I went to go to the chief house when I was 12 years old after our first mass, and he taught us how to play the drums and to listen. That's why we were so great in our music because we was taught how to play it. And you know, like some some cats that get out there with the tambourines or the drums, they just beat the drum. You're not supposed to beat, you're supposed to play it. And talk to it. And we used to get out there with our tambourines and talk to each other with our music, you know? And you teach the kid, they don't know that today because when you go to a practice, everybody trying to be heard. And they don't know if you play the drums, you're going to be heard if you're playing it. If you're beating it, you're still going to be heard, but ain't nobody going to listen to it. <laughs> Chill out, you know. When I was a kid, first I mass and go to the chief house because that's where we rehearsed at. We call it practice, but it was like a rehearsal. And it was a hidden culture for many years until when we, as we grew up, we got started playing in the bars. And people used to pass by and hear. Before we even touched the drums, he sat down and talked to us. And he was teaching us what to do and how to do it when Mardi Gras come. And then after he sat down and teach us what to do, how to sew, and the thing that we should do on Mardi Gras Day, then when it's over, when he finished speaking, then we got to the drums. And if he give you a tambourine, he gonna tell you play it. He ain't gonna say beat it, he gonna say play it. And if you're not playing it right, he gonna let you know. And if you can't get it, he gonna take it from you. Tap it softly, it's like if you're hitting on a drum, because that's what you call it. We used to call them drums. Yeah. And you let the ringers do their job, and you do yours. Well, when, you know, once you get the, the rhythm down on a tambourine, you probably could play it on anything, like beating on the wall or on the table at home, anywhere. And, you know, it's like when we used to have practice, when we come to the, a bar to have practice, we didn't, we didn't have no other instrument but the tambourine. And at Second and Dry, we had so much power, and they had a guy, they used to have the cigarette machines in there, and he was over there in the corner hitting on the, beating on top of the cigarette machine, right? Putting that bass in there. <laughs> and one, guy, one guy, he had a, a bush comb, and it had these little metal ashtrays used to be in the bar on the table, and he was beating on that and putting that cowbell sound in there. 
you know, and we, you know, we made our own instruments because if you had the sound, you could get it from anywhere, you know. And then uh, we had some friends that like beat Congos, like Uganda. They used to have drum sessions out on the lakefront, and we used to go out there and listen to them. And so the uh, timbales, I just went down the world lines and bought a set and start playing them because the rhythm was already in me already, you know. And like I said, you don't have to be loud, just play. Well, it was handed down from uh, being, the, like I was the second spy boy for the White Eagles. And uh, they had the uh, first spy boy, that's who it goes to when he, when the big chief come down and the first spy didn't want it. So then it was handed down to me. And from well then and once it once they he 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 didn't want it to give it to me and I took it and I've been chief ever since. Well it was in me from you know, from my dad, you know. So I was born with it, you know, and like a lot like now I hand it down to my say my son. And if he don't want it, then, because he's the second chief, and uh, if he don't want it, then I hand it, it goes to my grandson, which is the first spy, because my dad has stopped mass. And when, when I become to be the chief, then he came back and made checking second chief for me. I, I don't know what he say, but I'm going to stop massing again since you're the chief. <laughs> well, okay, you're the second. Well, the White Eagle was already built, you know because it's one of the biggest tribes in the city. And when the elders died off, and the youngsters took over, and uh, I got together with some of the guys, and what we did, what I did, to make sure that they was doing it right, I went to World Lines and, and I ordered a lot of stuff, uh, speakers, monitors, microphones, and 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 uh, really real tape. Well, when 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 uh when I was a kid, the music well was not a kid. When I see when I got to be older, I used to listen to you know like uh, Ramsey Lewis, Flat, <laughs> you know Jimi Hendrix, you know different music music. I loved it all kind of music. And like when I was real young, before TVs come out, uh, the first music that I really was interested in was uh, Al Joseph. Wow. And I used to listen to him on the radio, and I never knew he was a white guy until TV came out. But he, he used to sing, man, like nobody ever knew. I, I bought a lot of albums, you know, for different guys, Temptations, you know, the OJs. I, I bought just about them all when they were doing their time, you know, and like, uh, I listened to them real good, but uh, my biggest thing was Indian music, you know? Okay, well, we had Bo, which had the great voice, right? Right. And I had the know-how. And when we put that together, and then Quint Davis, we met him as he was young, going up to uh, Tulane University, 
and he used to come to Indian practice, and he used to listen to us, and he used to tell us that, man, y'all making music that they don't do nowhere else in the world. And so what he did, he put Willie T at a band called the Gators. Willie T and the Gators, so he put us with Willie T, and we did a thing at Tulane University, and from that on, that was it. Yeah, with Bowen, he couldn't get it out, then he'd get with me, you know, and I put it right there for him. Johnny Tobars, Quarter Moon, Alligator June, Jan Smothers, Leonard Johnson, Crip Lawrence Adams. <laughs> Tambourines. Well, yeah, well, after uh, Willie T. Nem joined us, then we start playing all over the world, yeah. You know, some of the biggest stages like Carnegie Hall. You know, wow. we we was, and then the record company said we were before our time. We was knocking everybody out the box. I think we were more popular outside the uh, United States because the people overseas they loved it us. You know, like, uh, and then after Boy and I broke up, I went out with the Golden Eagle, just percussions. And like we played in churches and uh, people said, man, y'all got people in here doing something that they don't generally do, <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. We played in clubs where, you know, it was uh, dining areas and all that. And uh, we was out with the Dirty Dozen and they played first. People just sat there and watched it. When I came out, they started pushing them tables out the way and the guy that on the club, he said, Chief, he said, you realize what you did? I said, no, what? He said, uh, you got people in here dancing that don't dance. <laughs> I said, that's a good thing or a bad thing? He said, that's a hell of a thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, the music that we do is so powerful, you know? Come to New Orleans for the music, you know? Because, you know, they got a lot of great music in New Orleans, you know, and a lot of them love the New Orleans sound. And so they come here, and some of them, you know, if they get high, little, small jobs, you know, they go in the French quarters and play and make a few dollars, you know. And But everybody want to play New Orleans music. But see, they don't know New Orleans music is something that you play from your heart. You know, you could you could read charts and all that, but you can't find no other music on no charts. <laughs> we was up there in Arizona, not Arizona. Uh, uh, where the hell was we? No, 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 no. It was way up there. Somewhere and uh, anyway. Yeah. 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 So Cyril never him and I was together and uh we went uh when we got there we went by these guys' house and uh they were some bad musicians. He wrote out charts and all that. Right. Okay, that was good. He wrote out the charts, we rehearsed for two days. But when we got to the venue, guess what? They was all mixed up. <laughs> so I just I just told the people I said, it's raining like hell here. I said, uh, 
could y'all excuse me for just a minute? I said, because uh, let me get this right. So I talked over to the bass player. I said, hey, I know you're a hell of a bass player because I heard you play. I said, you put the charts on the side. And I went to the guitar player. Lead guitar told him the same thing. I said, hey, bro, don't worry about the charts. Just play. I know you can play, and you heard what I do. And they just drew the charts where Silver took the drums from the drummer. And guess what? Wow. They had the charts mixed up. Yeah, I told them throw them charts away, but you don't need that because you already know how to play. And you know, like uh, the type of music that we play, you don't need no charts to play as long as you're playing from your heart, you know? And if you is a hell of a musician, you should be able to play anything. Because we have guys come from Japan there because I took full control. Music comes from the heart. You go to school to learn music, the basics, but uh, it comes from the heart. Because if you could read charts and play anything in the world, but when you get on that stage with a rock band, that ain't no chart. They should go help them to stick their crowns, you know, because they didn't know how to stick them. So, but uh, Big Chief Jolly Mass with the uh, 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 La Magnolias. When he first started coming back, he was a wild magnolia. Then he started bringing the wild chapatulas. And that's when the Nevels came in. Many years, you know, over a hundred years. And, you know, the people, the only people that knew about us was the people that live in New Orleans. And until we came out with those, uh, records, you know, that's when the world started knowing about us. I mean, because music captures everybody, you know, regardless of what color you are. All they got to do is come to New Orleans on Mardi Gras Day and anybody tell them where Monk's stay and join us and you'll see where we come. Because they got a lot of bands that come in here and leave with me. Just to hear that Indians have played drums for us and he only played a snare and a bass drum. In assembly, that's all. That's all he needed. You yeah. Like I said, you just take Anders for interest. When when I met Anders, well, Ruben was my manager, and he said, "I want to hook you up with somebody." And I said, "Who?" He said, "Anders Osborne." I said, "Who is Anders Osborne?" <laughs> he said, "He's a guitar, great guitar player, you know." And Anders and I got together for the first time at the Funky Butt. And we turned the place out. And we had never met each other before, but Anders told me the story that somebody had gave him my first CD, Lightning and Thunder. Yes. With all, the, with all percussion. And he said, oh, I'd put some music with that. <laughs> so he was in his car driving to New Orleans. He played the CD all the way to New Orleans. So what he was doing, he was learning me. You're the good man. Yeah. See, the most important thing is with bands that I could see when you when you develop a band together, y'all learn each other. And when you learn each other, then you'll know 
Like when I get on that stage, my band, they know where I'm coming from. They know what I'm gonna do before I do it. You know, cause then I know when to stop. I know when to kill men to do solos. And you know, like I take cruel control and the most important thing about music is listening. If you listen to gig, I think it was in Austin, Texas, and uh, he wanted to play with me, you know. So no, I had a gig. I think he booked the gig, right. and, uh, and we played. And uh, at this festival, <laughs> guess what? When we was playing, everybody left for wherever he was at and came out there to shut us down because nobody else was going to the other stages. So, you know. And ever since that, that's when Papa Molly. And if you feel it, you got to feel it. And if you feel it, if you're a musician, you could do it. Because it's coming from within you. Forget about the reading the music and stuff all you like now, because you want to play a different kind of music now. And if you know how to play music and you feel it, go for it. But just remember one thing, when you playing, you're playing from your heart. And pay attention to what's going on and you'll know where you at. Because you could tell if you're up on that stage and you're messing up, you could tell you.